Hi everyone, welcome to the Unity Podcast, brought to you by Unibridge. I'm Yun Cheng, your host for today. In our last episode, we've spoke with Ying Xuan, a sophomore at UCLA, and left off with her rationale behind choosing scholarships. So without further ado, let's hear what she has to say about this topic. Let's go. Yeah, but I think something that is uh, more important than talking about the internship application process, right, is mm. why did you choose to apply for PSE? Or what other types of scholarships do you apply? Was it all public service? Or, like, did you already know at right at the start that, hey, I, like, I feel like public service is my calling and that's why I want to go for the scholarship? Yeah, so I would say that I had some sort of idea that I wanted to do something that was uh, people and socially oriented. So in that sense, things like, I didn't want something very, very technical. So things like, um, I have to say this medicine, I did apply, but I decided not to do it in the end because I felt that it was too niche or like something that would be very, um, very specific later on. And I couldn't like apply those skills to like a broad range of like areas. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone that who has very, very diverse interests. So naturally, uh, putting like people plus like diverse interests together, I thought that PSC would be the most suitable in the sense that it allows you to rotate among many different public service agencies and not just um, be rotated within one certain agency that serves a particular function. So that's actually mm-hmm. why uh, that like PSC um, scholarship interested me and was something that I applied for first. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that uh, I didn't, if you mean other scholarships, like other agency scholarships, I didn't mm. have to make the decision because uh, I got the acceptance from PSE prior to having to submit the application for those scholarships. Because oh. I think those were due in March, I think quite a bit later. But otherwise, I would probably have looked into some of the agencies who I felt like the, the, their mission resonated with me. Um, I also did look into, because... Like, I couldn't decide between biology or economics, right? So I have Mm. thought about, like, maybe, like, I guess, like, medical medical research medicine, like like I mentioned, or, like, Mm -hmm. biological research, uh, biomed, that kind of thing. But um, from, like, a short stint at, like, ASTAR, I realized that I really cannot be a researcher, or at least not a biomedical researcher. And so, like, that career path was built up for me, lah. And I would say that comp- like when you edit, like um, when I compare with like volunteer experiences at um, Meet the People session, I realized that I do enjoy like helping or at least like so- like the questions that I want to solve and the questions that I want to answer are those that about how to make life better for Singaporeans. Like as cliche mm. as it sounds, but that's true. Like, um, yeah, those are like the kind of questions I want to answer. So not very academia-based ones or not very like, you know, scientifically-based ones. It was more mm-hmm. of like social uh, issues and social impact. So yeah, mm-hmm. in summary, that's that's why I applied. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, very interesting because uh, you mentioned the fact that um, what helped you to decide between being a biological researcher, right? Yeah. Versus a kind of like a public service, uh, yeah. like, a public servant, right? Mm. Um, the kind of deciding factor was your experience with A star and kind of knowing, like, like through that experience, you realize that hey, this might not be very suitable for for mm. you, right? Mm. So, 
I think, um, would you consider recommending to everyone to kind of um, gaining some experience in those fields that you think you may be interested first before you apply? Or um, how would you go about it? I definitely think that it is very important to at least have a taste of what you are trying to make a decision about. So like if, like for example, I if since I wanted to possibly take up a public service scholarship, I wanted to at least know what a public service career would entail, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to go into it and realize like, oh, actually I don't like things that are slower paced. I don't like, like, you know, having to work with like hierarchies as compared to like, mm-hmm. I just like start a business myself, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is something that you can't really get unless you really immerse yourself in that particular working environment. And so I would encourage that if you have the means and the time to do so, you should probably, you should definitely, and the opportunity, of course, you should definitely like try to intern or at least like, you know, job shadow in whatever you you want to do. But that being said, I think that it's not always possible because sometimes you just have no time or like no, uh, yeah, no time or no opportunity to do so. Then I think that one thing that, would be very useful which I have learned like um, actually after I went to UCLA is that a lot of mm-hmm. uh, my UCLA classmates especially my American classmates they are very uh, how to say like they really grab at what they want so like for example as I mentioned if you don't have the opportunity some, sometimes they'll just ask reach out to the person who they're interested in interning with and ask them can I have an informational call instead like I've never done it but one or, one or two of my friends have done it like at least twice and they say it's always like very useful because like for example they'll just ask them oh can I talk to you about what you do at work and like oh can, mm-hmm. can you like walk me through your day that kind of thing and they're always usually very happy to oblige because I mean it takes them not that much time and they don't have to like in like kind of like manage you as an intern the whole time but you still mm-hmm. kind of understand like from a person working in the field where they're coming from I guess like that's the whole point of like uni bridge as well right like just like to understand like yeah so i think that that's very useful yeah but i would still encourage first and foremost if you can just to like try to intern or like job shadow or like work in that particular area because um it's always better to have like you know had that opportunity have that experience and realize you don't like it than to not have that experience and go into it then you realize you cannot get out you know yeah yeah that's very true Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, let's um, move on from that to something I think um, that you hold quite personal to you, to you right? The discourse yeah. um, about environment, environmental change, right? Yeah. And campaigning for that. Um, yeah. Because right after you did like your part-time waitressing and after learning to drive, right? You yeah. went on to intern with the NCCS, which is the National Climate Change Secretary. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so... Um, can you walk us through like the whole process? Mm. So um, I actually, uh, for that one, it was mostly because um, my HDB internship, while it was as interesting like I mentioned, it didn't really come from a policy sphere, like policy space. It was mostly about like, uh, I guess, enacting or like uh, carrying out the certain designs and certain housing policies that were already in place. So I wanted to, I guess, understand like how policies are crafted or like how policy research at a broad level is being done. And uh, I guess for whoever's listening, NCCS is uh, part of the Prime, Minister, Prime Minister's office. So they actually 
uh, actually part of the strategy group, which is part of the Prime Minister's office. So they do a lot of uh, coordination between a lot of agencies. So for NCCS, mm. we work with MIWA, uh, which I think now is Sustainability and the Environment. Like they changed the name. Yeah. And uh, also uh, places like MOH. Um, I probably forgot all of them, but a lot of agencies, even like I think MOF or was it MAS who does like green finance, stuff like that. So very cross-sectional uh, work. And um, yeah, so I actually applied there because I wanted to see how Singapore's climate policies were being um, enacted slash like, you know, mm-hmm. thought through. Yeah. So um, how was the experience like for you? I would say that the experience really cemented the fact that uh, it is an active interest of mine. And at, but at the same time, it also, me and my friend were talking about it. Like, we were saying, ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because I had a fellow intern with me at the same place. And we were just saying, like, oh, no, climate despair. Because as much as um, Singapore tries to do, like, uh, there are certain, I guess, uh, uh, long-standing policies that are not so good for the environment in Singapore that have not been changed for a very long time. And I don't know when it's going to be changed, uh, hopefully soon, but you know. And also at the same time, there's like, for example, uh, even if we say that uh, we have like this target, that target based on like the 2015 uh, Paris uh, uh, Agreement, it mm-hmm. isn't really enough. And actually, my department was the international policy side. So we got to look at all the different countries as well. So mm-hmm. I did look at like a 2050 strategy, which all the like different countries' 2050 strategies, which basically is like how they're going to like reach net zero or like how they're going to cut emissions by 2050. And it's like quite jarring because you see like their plans that they submit versus what they're actually doing. And the disparity between like what you say you're going to do and what you actually do was quite big. So in that sense, it was a bit like, you know, alarm bells ringing on like, you're like, I have one with this kind of feeling. And I think that that is a feeling that a lot of people who have uh, been interested in or even like try their best to be um, environmentally sustainable always feel, uh, think about. Because I do have like uh, one of my ex-bosses who actually mentioned like he tries his best, but he also doesn't really see the point, that kind of thing. So it's oh quite, uh, yeah, so it's quite sad. Yeah, but still, yeah, it was a, I, I feel that it was a very enriching experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like, even though you mentioned, right, you, you kind of felt like a, a bit of climate despair. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you say that the entire experience was still generally uh, empowering? Like, do you, do you find like your, like your efforts were like, were kind of coming to fruition or like, was there any like progress being made? Mm. Honestly, if, if you want to see like, um, I feel that it's a little bit difficult to like uh, make concrete what you consider as like efforts coming to fruition because mm. the main problem, as I see with like the so-called climate movement, is that the goal is long term, but people want to see efforts in the short term, mm-hmm. and so that's why a lot of people get like discouraged or like disheartened. And mm. so I would say that, especially at PMO, um, at Strategy Group, where it's really like about long-term strategy uh, planning, I don't mm. think that I saw anything like immediately. Like, of course, there were deliverables. But if you mean mm. like, wow, a huge like 
goal was accomplished, then probably not. Although uh, I did, we did do like certain parts that led up to a larger strategy that should be rolled out in the next one or two years. So that in itself was nice. And also like having, uh, I did do some, uh, what's that called? Like a lit review slash like research that uh, was, was like kind of used by the chief. I forgot his name. Chief. Something like chief climate negotiator in Singapore. Uh, as like one of his backing pieces for like when he goes out and talks to people. So that itself was like personally fulfilling fulfilling for me. But um, I think that uh, a strategy department isn't really the place you should be interning if you're looking for like short-term wins. Yeah, uh-huh. you, should, you should probably go to somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I think what you mentioned is uh, very true. Yeah. Uh. Um, talking about that like, we need to probably start thinking about climate policies in the long term, right? Mm. And um, thinking about how we are able to, you know, um, build out a roadmap that is uh, feasible um, and we and like having like the incremental steps that we, mm. we need to take and slowly moving forward towards that, lah, I think. Yeah. yeah um, actually, I think it, it would be a great idea, right? Um, if I can invite you and a few other people who are quite active in this climate sphere. I mean, in like climate change and things like that, right? Yeah. To come on a podcast to just talk about climate change and like the kind of activism that you have, you guys have done. Do you think that would be a good idea? I think that's probably a good idea. Although I'm, I'm still struggling with the word activism because I don't really know what it means. Uh-huh. In the sense that a lot of people like, like a lot of people um, might call themselves an activist or lump people together. Like mm-hmm. as long as you fight for a certain cause, you're like, oh, you're an activist, right? But what, like, <laughs> yes. like it, I feel that nowadays it has a bit of, like, negative connotations to it already. Uh, yeah. And so, I feel, I always wonder, like, whether or not it's good to, like, call yourself, like, whether it's good to, like, label people, <laughs> la, basically, because it mm. often puts people off. Like, you say, oh, I'm going to listen to, like, like oh, uh, this person is, like, those one of those activist people, or like, this person is one of those, like, uh, people who fight for social justice. And it mm-hmm. makes them seem like a very extreme caricature of what they're not actually. So mm-hmm. in my um, experiences dabbling with climate, and here I have to, like, say, like, uh, there are a lot of people who are far more inspirational and have done so many greater mm-hmm. things. But in my experiences, like, you know, trying my best towards this uh, cause, I think that there, um, it's always better to like act than to say. Like mm, there's a lot of awareness being raised, um, but it would be good if like um, people who are aware also try to like put that into action. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think, uh, actually I think to, to kind of sum up your internship experience, right? Um, something that I realized while talking to you is that mm-hmm. internship is not only just about, you know, gaining the work experience or just gaining knowledge about the areas that you wish to work in in the future. It can also be something that you um, you feel very strongly about, right? Areas that you believe that you can um, push for change in, right? Something mm-hmm. that you, I think you kind of exemplify a lot with your stint at NCCS. I think that kind of like motivated you to do more as well yeah. and give you a kind of a new understanding of that area. So I think that that's something that, uh, maybe our audience can, you know, take away from this to kind of think about yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, um, any more things to add uh, about your internship before we move on to a slightly more uh, relaxing topic? 
Um, I guess one small thing is a lot of people like always like, oh my god, why are you always interning or like why are you always mm-hmm. like uh, busy doing an internship, right? It's not for the like. I really don't think that at least for me, I didn't do it for the resume. Uh, mm. especially not since um after having been offered um a scholarship, which uh in that sense like you already do have like some sort of position lined up for you in the future when you come back. Mm. But it's more of like. I don't want to, like, you know, end up in a role that I cannot contribute to or a role that I personally don't like. So, like, I feel like internships are low-stakes way of, like, understanding, like, what you're interested in and what you're not interested in. So, if you see in that aspect, then, like, try not to stress too much about, like, oh, I need to intern with, like, the best company or, like, the best, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's all. Yeah, I think especially after A-levels when we don't really have like a specialized skill or anything, right? Yeah, it's like, who wants like non-undergrads, right? They're yeah, always exactly. just like, ah, the one you, the one you. They're just like, <laughs> <laughs> Life is tough, man. Yeah. A-level, when you're just an A-level graduate. But anyways, um, let's move on from um, the topic of work and internship, right? To something mm-hmm. a bit more chill, right? Yeah. Because it's very important to chill before... Um, yes. All hell, all hell breaks loose in university, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, after your stint at NCCS, right, um, mm-hmm. do you go on any, like, trips or any, any like, do any, like, chill activities before university started? Yeah, so I actually, uh, back when you could travel, I went to Taiwan and Batam with some of my uh, uh, very close friends from, like, primary school, JC, secondary mm. school. So yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, I would <laughs> for everybody listening, please do not go to Taiwan in July. It is extremely hot, and like <laughs> you will burn and want to cry, and it's it's just not fun. Please don't. Yeah, uh-huh. and if you if you do, just bring a lot of water and like a cap and like wear shorts. Yeah, because uh-huh. when we went there, it was like super hot. It's like Singapore, but with no clouds. So it's mm-hmm. like just sun. It's just like baking you all the time, and like you're super humid and super hot all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's it. Um, yeah, as in, of course it was still enjoyable, like just hanging out with my friends and like eating Taiwanese food, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why that's why you should have went to uh, Australia instead. <laughs> like during that time, uh. yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, so I think um, in general, right, what was your biggest takeaway during this like eight months of like a brief interlude between your A-levels and university? I think that, from, okay, from a more meta perspective, is that really nobody will ask, at, like when, it's like a semi-adulthood where no one will tell you what to do and mm. no one will like give you like, just like throw opportunities at you, not like JC, like where they're like, oh, sign up for a CCA, like you have to do this mm. exam, sign up for this test, that kind of thing. Like you can just do nothing for eight months and no like like to put it frankly, nobody will care. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> your parents, la, but yeah, like uh-huh. no one will like force you to do anything that you don't want to do. So I think mm. that what I learned is that um it really like the onus is really on you to chart your own like experience and your own path. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a scary thing because it's quite liberating also, like in the sense that now you can do like whatever you're interested in or like whatever you mm-hmm. want to do. I, I mean, yeah, I know I know friends who, of course, like, say, uh, did their own internships. But I also know a friend, not my year, of course, who took a gap year just to travel by himself solo and went to, like, oh. 
like like I think 50 countries or something crazy like that on a low budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that was something he wanted to do because he loves traveling and he loves photography and so he did it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, things like that. Um, one of my friends like went on a missionary trip and other people did like other cool things and I don't think that any of them is like a better way to spend your eight months. It's really just like what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And ultimately, if you like do something that you don't like, just remember like at least now you know you don't like it lah. You know? So it's always, always like if you frame it in a way that is like learning based or like you know, life experience based, I don't think that you will be unhappy or like you should be too stressed about the so-called eight months. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very, very good advice for <laughs> especially for a lot of the people who just ended A levels, right? Yeah. Congrats by the yeah. way on ending A levels. Yes, congratulations. Yes. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that was a tough, uh, tough time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but um I think um just treating this eight months as like a period of exploration and just enrichment and just like um I don't know. Or even just spending this time just to reflect or, or think about um, how your life has been and how you would like to move on. Or just, just having fun and just chilling. Just mm-hmm. going on a road trip. Yeah. I think it's all, it's all um, part of just um, a, a great like, chapter uh, kind of like, to kind of experience life and just to um, think about how, um, how, how, how should I put this? Like, to reflect and chill before the start of your uni, where you'll be yeah. caught up with studies again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, before we end off this uh, interview, right, so any last uh, final words you want to share with our audience today? Mm. Eight hours, uh. seems like It seems like such a like, far away time. Let me think. I guess I would say that it's okay not to like another thing is that I was like quite unsure of what I wanted to do and I think that's fine. Like it's okay to take time to know what you want to do. Mm. Um, like um, one thing that I think struck, struck me was that uh, I was not invited. Uh, there were a couple of people who were invited to apply for scholarships early on and I was like public service scholarships and I wasn't part of that pool and I'm actually very glad for it because I feel that an early meaning like uh, pre-A levels and I'm glad mm. for it because I feel that if I were to apply that time, I wouldn't have been ready uh, for any of like the interview questions, etc. Because uh, I only really understood what a public service career entailed afterwards when I got to like talk to more people, etc. So I think that yeah, you can take comfort in the fact that things happen at their own time for a reason, and there's mm-hmm. no need to like you know rush into like something that you don't want to do or you you're like oh my god I don't know what I want to do in my life like mm-hmm. uh it's horrible especially just because you like remember that uni time like uni life is also like still you're still going to be a student there's still going to be time for you to figure out what you want to study mm-hmm. and like I know people who like switch their majors or like people who like study chemical engineering as an undergrad and then like suddenly decide to do public policy as their like master's <laughs> and nothing that, okay. like that's totally okay and I think it's even more okay now given how uh open our culture has become and mm. so I hope that who, like for those who just completed their A-levels they would be like you guys will be um, yeah just just honest and uh, positive yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think those two words are very important just being honest to yourself and just being positive yeah yeah, yeah so um, 
Thank you so much, Ingxian. Uh, and to all of our audience, if you'd like to hear more of these stories, be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of Unity. And if you'd like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas, do feel free to join our UniBridge community on Telegram. You can find a link to our Telegram group on our Instagram page at unibridge underscore SG. So be sure to follow, give us a follow. So thank you so much, Ingxian, and we'll see you guys again in the next episode of our podcast. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you.